0: Chapter Five. We will begin um, the last part of our series. We'll conclude this reading of First Peter, the letter of, as some may call, the most popularized disciple of them all, or maybe the most quoted or most relatable uh, disciple that we all read of. And as we have read through this letter, as we've studied it, as we've preached it, we've seen that. Holiness, or the way that we conduct ourselves, our conduct, our lifestyle, it's echoed throughout this letter. That you and I are to be holy. Why? Because God is holy. So Peter said that you and I ought to be holy because God is holy. So what we were seeing is that holiness is echoed from the start to finish. That you and I should grow disciplined in our lives to conduct ourselves in a holy manner. That the evidence of our faith should be seen on a daily basis. Not just when we show up on Sunday or not just when we drop a church or a check to the church or not just whenever we share a Facebook post, but that people should see the evidence of our faith in our daily lives, that we should be set apart, that we should look different than the world. So it's echoed throughout this entire letter. Now as we conclude, as we read 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 today, here's what we're going to discuss. There are two foundations, there's two motivations for our holiness. One of these ends in eternal life, and one of these ends in opposition to God. And we'll get to it here in just a moment. But I want you to think about the fact that you try, maybe you don't try. But if you strive to be holy, why do you strive to be holy? Why do you strive to be a better Christian? Or why do you strive to look more like Christ? Why do you strive to be set apart? Now, if you build your pursuit of holiness on one of these two foundations, then you will continue to pursue it and you will continue to oppose the Lord. But if you build it upon one of the two then you will find fruit in it, you will find freedom in it, and God will bless you in it. So we'll get into it in just a moment. So if you have your Bible, First Peter chapter 5, <clears throat> starting in verse 1, Peter writes this. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not diminishing over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, here's foundation number one, in humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god so that at the proper time he may exalt you casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you be sober minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour resist him firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by the, by your brotherhood throughout the world And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So what we will do is we will be looking at three different things. I want to address three different things that we find in this passage of scripture. And Peter begins this chunk of scripture by instructing the leadership of the church in a few different ways, but that the leadership of the church is to truly shepherd the flock, that we are as the leaders of the body to shepherd the flock. Now he goes on to say to not do so for shameful gain. So here is where we see foundation, the, the one of two foundations. The two foundations are these, humility and pride. Humility and pride. So if you build your pursuit of holiness on humility, you will constantly humble yourself, be reminded of God's goodness, of his mercy and of his grace, and of your undeserving life that you are, an undeserving person that you are, and, and you will be constantly thirsting and hungry for the righteousness of the lord now if you build your foundation on pride here's what happens you will begin to live more and more in a holy way but what will happen is you will live so just to be better than your neighbor and then what will happen over time is that you will exalt yourself or boast in your own goodness that you forget the goodness of the lord and then you will see no need for him to even forgive you because you and of yourself are holy but the reality is, we're not. See, building my foundation, building my life on in humility, will allow me to constantly see myself as I really am. And in and of myself, I am what? Filthy rags. You, in and of yourself, apart from Christ, are are just simply filthy rags in the sight of an Almighty God. But God, being rich in mercy and in grace, can offer to people like you and me the avenue of salvation through christ but then also to be looked at through the lens of god's mercy and his grace through the imputed righteousness of christ that he puts upon those who come to him so i can confidently walk and pursue holiness knowing that i'm not doing it just so i can look better than you or i'm not doing it so i can look more disciplined than you i'm doing it because i am compelled to live holy because of the immeasurable riches of his mercy and his grace that have been bestowed upon me so if you are living holy and just trying to look good or look better so that people will think that you are something that you're not, you are fooling yourself and you're building your life upon pride. And God, and the Bible says here that God opposes the what? The proud. This doesn't mean that, oh, I've got some issues and I'm working about. It. No, this means that you are living in opposition to God. So Peter starts by addressing the leadership that they are to possess humility in the way that they serve one another, not doing so under compulsion, but willingly, and not doing so for shameful gain, but to do so eagerly. So as we think about leadership, the leadership of the body should be eager to set the example of holiness for the body. And they should do so knowing that they aren't doing it for their own gain. See, if we live pridefully in our leadership then every time we are offended, there will be drama, there will be division, right? Because I've been doing it long enough now, we're going on seven years, to know that you and I may not always agree on everything. I may preach something that you don't agree with, and you may respond to me with something that I don't agree with. But the beautiful thing is this. If I make this about me, then I will be always on edge. I will be constantly feeling defeated. And I will constantly be offended because if you were to ask any of our leaders here, if a few of you here um, has every church member agree with every decision that you've made, where's our leaders? No, <laughs> no. Has everyone agreed with everything that I've done in life? What? <laughs> has everyone agreed with everything that I've said, no, probably not. So here's what happens. If I am not careful, I will put myself in a position of leadership for shameful gain, thinking that it's all about me. And then whenever you are upset with me, or whenever you and I don't agree on every little thing, or whenever I prefer this thing, or you prefer that thing, that I will take it as an attack, and I will constantly be offended, right? Or you will constantly be offended, and then what will happen is division will begin to grow, strife will be there, and then ultimately we go our own ways, right? Right? And if you ask any of the leaders who are in this room right now, I don't know how many board meetings we've had since I've been here, but seven years worth, we've had a lot of meetings where a lot of things have been discussed and not all the time is everything agreed upon in in an unanimous way. There's always differences of opinion, but here's the thing. If I'm not careful, I will preach and lead in a way that you become followers of me. Shame on me. If I preach and teach in a way that you become a fan of who I am, shame on me. Because my responsibility, my mission is to preach the good news of Christ. My responsibility, my mission is to preach the Bible in its entirety and not keeping things away or not trying to add to. And here's the reality of that. If I preach the Bible in the fullness of God's word, there's going to be times where your toes are stepped on. There's going to be times where you may not be a big fan of me, but in order for me to do what God has called me to do, I have to be more concerned about his opinion than yours. So my responsibility isn't to make a bunch of people that like to listen to me preach. My responsibility is to point a lot of people to Jesus Christ himself. My responsibility is to preach and lead in a way that you pursue the righteousness of God rather than wanting to listen or be like me. I've always said that one of the biggest things that I can do is to know that whenever I leave here, whenever that may be, that the church continues to flourish. Why? Because you see it all the time. Preachers leave, people follow. Preachers leave, people follow. Now sometimes there's very good reason for it. Sometimes it's not. So my, one of my biggest responsibilities, in my opinion, one of the most successful telling signs of my ministry is to know that one of these days I will be leaving. I don't know when it is. I don't have plans to leave anytime soon. I'm hoping that I can retire here and you all actually begin to like me one of these days and, and, and not just keep me around for my beautiful wife and all my kids and feel sorry for me along the way. But my responsibility isn't to pamper you, my responsibility isn't to tickle your ears. My responsibility is to point you to Christ so that your sin can be exposed and you can understand and come to appreciate the goodness of his mercy and his grace. That's my responsibility. And in all of our leadership, that is our mission, to point the body to Christ. We do so in humility, knowing that we can't do it in and of our own strength, but by the grace of God, we can shepherd the flock. We can lead the flock. We can set the example for the flock. Secondly, Peter says, for all of you, meaning all of us, that we are to clothe ourselves with what? Humility. Humility towards one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what we must do is, in all of us, we must clothe ourselves with Humility, knowing that if we live live pridefully, boasting in our own self and boasting about how good we have become or look how far I've come. And there's nothing wrong with looking how much you've changed. There's nothing wrong with sharing with others what God has done for you. But if your means of holiness, if your foundation of holiness is just to look better than someone else, then you are wrong. And you may be living in pride because you want to stand out and you want to be exalted above everyone else. Well, here's the thing. Comparison is dangerous in one of two ways. Comparison is dangerous because you will always, always boast in and of yourself when you compare yourself to people who are worse than you. But then you will always defeat yourself when you compare yourself to people who are better. Right? So whenever I talk to people who have a lot more money than me, I think, oh man, I need to do something different. I need to find I need to invent something. I need to do this. But then whenever I talk to people that may not have as much money, where there's just like a few in the city, um, then I talk about, man, I must be doing okay. Whenever I talk about people who are better at preaching I always feel defeated. Whenever I think about people who may not be as as skilled, which there are just a few, then I always think, man, I must be doing good. But here's what the reality is. If you are not careful, you will constantly compare yourselves to people who are worse than you and you will boast in your excellence. You will boast in your goodness. And then you will look at people who are better than you and you will defeat yourself and you will write yourself off as a failure, constantly living in pride but God opposes the proud and he gives grace to the humble. We just talked about humility next door. And this is a shameless plug for you. If you do not go to Sunday school, I, eagerly encourage you to do so, so you can come. Not only do you get fed food, but you get fed the word, you get fed fellowship. It's a beautiful time, so j- just come and, and join us. But we talked about humility demonstrated to us by Christ, the one who could have boasted in front of everyone, the co- one that could have stood on a pedestal and preached to the world about how much greater he was than all of them and all of us. What did he do? He bowed to wash the feet of his disciples. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He did not come to be served, but to serve. So you and I must truly live with humility as the foundation because whenever I recognize and I truly come to understand that in the sight of Almighty God, apart from Christ, I am filthy rags and should be destined to eternal separation. But because of Christ, I could be welcomed into his family. I could be his son. You can be his son or his daughter. That should compel you to live the rest of your lives as holy as possible your holiness should be as a, it should be a result of the mercy and the grace that you have received from the lord so we see in this te- in this chunk of scripture peter is encouraging the leaders the elders of the church to set the example to willingly serve and to sacrifice to willingly meaning to humble oneself and to serve to meet the needs Not for shameful gain, not for their pride, not to feel good because people are calling them or not because people are looking up to them, but to do so as an example. Because one day you will receive a crown, he says. And then he says that all of us are to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. And lastly, I want to get to verse 6. And this is where I want to end our conversation today. Because in verse 6, Peter says, Humble yourselves... Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. In verse 7, he says, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Let me just, by a raise of hands, does anybody have anxieties in life? Who's sitting next to him? Just raise your hand. If you're brave, raise your hand if you're sitting next to your anxieties. (laughs) some of y'all are brave some of y'all are going to pay pay but I think we all have differences in anxieties right I think about when I was a kid how anxious I was because I had to go to school man how easy life was right I didn't have bills to pay, I didn't have employers to keep satisfied, I didn't have diapers to change, or I didn't have kids to get to sleep, or kids to get ready, you know, life was different. I think about when I was a little bitty kid, man, the hardest thing I had to do was to put my clothes on on time, and, you know, to make sure I had the right uniform on for a ball game, and to make sure I ate my vegetables so that I could grow strong, and they lied, um, <laughs> because I ate all the vegetables, <laughs> I ate all the carrots and I can't see a night anymore. And, man, I remember how easy life was. But now life's different. Life's full of anxieties, man. And I'm not talking about, oh, I walk around scared. I'm talking about I now have the responsibility to love my wife as Christ loved the church that way. That's anxiety to me because I know that in and of myself, I fall short on a daily basis. And I know in and of myself, my wife knows I fall short on a daily, I know that to love my wife as Christ loved the church. And then, and then, you know, another anxiety is, um, Michaela stays home and homeschools our girls and I work on the outside of the home to provide for my family. And I think it's my responsibility to show up every day and to carry the load and to provide for my family so that my wife can do what God's laid on her heart to do. And and that's an anxiety, to make sure all the bills are paid and all the kids are fed and all the kids are clothed and all the lights are on, you know, and and that's an anxiety. And then I have anxieties that it's now my responsibility also to raise these four kids to come to know Christ. I don't care what else they do in life other than knowing Christ. That, That is irrelevant to me. But it's my responsibility to point them to Jesus I mean, these are things that can keep you up at night. These are things that can really make you wonder, am I doing things right? Am I failing? Am I short? Am I, am I not doing it well enough? But Peter says to humble yourself. Because if we just raise our hands and said we all have anxieties, we all just did it, what do we do with them? Because if we live pridefully, we'll just carry the weight of all of it. Right, and we'll know. Okay, if I just worked hard enough, I will be able to solve this problem. If I just try hard enough, this relationship will be repaired. If we just, if we just go here, if we just do that, and what's scary is that some of us will carry the anxieties of our lives upon our shoulders, and the weight of the world will continuously press us down further and further, and then will cripple us and paralyze us with fear. Right? I mean, there are fears as a pastor that I'm always falling short. There's fears as a parent that I'm always falling short. There's fears of being a husband that I'm always falling short. These are the anxieties that I carry. I don't I don't really have too many, but there are some that I feel like if I'm not careful, they will weigh me down and keep me crippled by fear. I'll be paralyzed knowing that I'll never be enough. I'll never be smart enough. I'll never be rich enough. I'll never be wise enough. I'll never be scripturally sound enough. I'll never be the perfect light. I'll, I'll never be. I'll never be. I'll never be. And if you aren't careful, you will allow the enemy who is looking to devour you to feed you the same lies that you will never be blank. You'll never be. You'll never be. And then you'll just walk around anxious all the days of your life, constantly up at night, not being able to sleep, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, can't sleep, and it's constantly overwhelmed, heads always hurting, and never feeling like you are enough, and constantly feeling like an outsider in all the circles of your life. Why? Because the devil is looking to devour you. And if you walk pridefully, you will think that, okay, over time I will fix this, over time I will accomplish this. And then what will happen is you will find yourself being crippled by fear, you're paralyzed by your weight of anxieties and then an easy target for the enemy to devour. But the Bible says that you and I should humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, casting all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for us. That is some of the most beautiful most beautiful scripture you can hear that you can cast all of your anxieties onto him because he cares for you. Now casting doesn't just mean, okay, God help me in my marriage or help me with my, my family or help me in my work or help me in my health. Not just praying at one time and making it known, but casting your anxieties literally means to change hands of One thing from your hand to his knowing that in faith that God is more than capable of hearing my cry, but he's also capable of doing something about it where I can't because now if I live pridefully, I will think that I can, but you will not. If I live pridefully, I'll think that I can fix all of my anxieties. I'll be able to answer all of life's questions. But if you will live humbly before the Lord and cast all your anxieties onto Him, what you will find is as you change hands from yours to His, He is more than capable of not just hearing you, but to do something about it. Sometimes in my life, I need help from the Lord. In order to love my wife as Christ loved the church, I can't do it on my own. I need help from the Lord. In order for you to see your anxieties go away, in order for you to fulfill what God has called you to do, you cannot do it on your own. You need help from the Lord. In order for me to see my four girls be raised up to know Jesus one day, I cannot do it on my own. I need help from the Lord. In order for me to fulfill the responsibility that God has placed upon me as I stand behind this pulpit on a weekly basis and as I fulfill the other responsibilities of being a leader or a spiritual leader, I cannot do it alone. So here's what I want to do to conclude our service today. I want you, again I'll ask by raise of hands, anyone have anxieties in life? Does anyone have anxieties that make you worry, make you doubt, make you fear, make you question, are you enough, are you ever going to be enough, will I ever be good enough, will I ever be, will I ever be? Here's what I want to offer to you, I want to offer a moment today as we conclude this service, as we conclude this conversation, for you to cast all your anxieties onto him. To know that God cares for you. To know that God cares to not just hear your cry and to receive those anxieties from you, but to care for you in the way that he will do something about it that he is capable of fixing the relationship, that he is capable of healing your body, that he is capable of drawing your kids or your grandkids to himself, that he is capable of providing for you everything that you need by calling out to him, by trusting in him. So as we conclude today and as we pray and as we worship one last time, I want to offer to you all, any of you, all of you, an opportunity to cast your anxieties onto him. Because if you would be honest and humble enough to admit that you need help from the Lord, I promise you that you will find the help that you need. But living pridefully, thinking that you can fix everything, that you know all the answers, will lead you to living constantly paralyzed by fear, crippled by the weight of the world, and then in opposition to the Lord. Let us pray.